you for those WhatsApp voice notes. Uncle JJ, thank you for that warm welcome back. Uh, certainly good to be back with you on the airwaves. So we're going to turn our attention then to 110 years of the ANC and we'll be tracking its life today against that of other liberation movements and you know is it fair to compare it to those that have gone before it and will it follow in the same line in the same suit and as far as demise is concerned uh, joining us for this conversation today is dr imran bakas senior research fellow at the owell socio-economic research institute uh, dr bakas good morning to you and thanks for your time today uh, thanks, Cathy. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy listening to your show. Thank you so much. Dr. Mkribisi Ndlejana is a political analyst at the University of Johannesburg. Dr. Ndlejana, good morning to you. Hi, morning, Cathy. Uh, Isaac Homo is an Africa specialist and contributor on Channel Africa. Uh, good morning, Mr. Homo. Morning to you and morning to the listeners and morning to my fellow participants. Thank you so much. So what we'll do is that we'll just share some opening thoughts and I'm also going to invite our listeners to be part of this conversation. You can dial in on 011-714-2006. That's the number to dial to get in touch with us on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107 and on Twitter at SFM Radio, the hashtag there. SAFM talking point. Dr. Bakas, let me perhaps begin with you. You know, it's almost impossible today to speak to uh, an, an analyst. The, the, there seems to be um, some consensus around the fact that the ANC is nearing the end of its majority, that beyond 2030, we are well likely to see an ANC that is in the minority benches even at a national government level. Your own perspective on this and perhaps how you see the role that the party plays today, its responses to the challenges facing South Africa and how those could ultimately contribute to that kind of end. Thanks, Cathy. I mean, it's such a broad subject. So maybe let me just make a few preliminary comments. I think we all know that, uh, you know, the ANC is the oldest liberation movement on the continent, but yet the newest uh, in power. Uh, And I think there are some key lessons to draw historically that, you know, liberation movements, uh, history teaches us, tend to stay in power for three, four, five decades, perhaps less in the Ghanaian case. Uh, and then get pushed to the periphery. Uh, And across Africa or in the developing world, we've seen, you know, the the reasons they get pushed to the periphery is that, well, one, one I think is the romance of the liberation wears out. So all of these romanticized constructions we have of liberation uh, tend to wear out. Mm -hmm. So as our generation may romanticize how long one was on Robben Island, uh, younger people may be less concerned with that and, you know, want jobs and want the street lights to be fixed and the potholes to be fixed and justifiably so. So I think one is the romance of the liberation wears out. Uh, two is corruption and infighting set in because the state uh, in many ways is the quickest facilitator of social mobility in uh, developing contexts. So 
yeah, the ANC is going the same route. Uh, you know, 2024 is what, I think, 30 years. Uh, and on the African continent, we've seen that, you know, three decades, four decades into power, uh, and liberation movements get pushed to the periphery. Uh, and I don't think we had anticipated, or at least I did, that the ANC uh, would perhaps last longer in power. But I think all indications are that it is going the route of, uh, you know, other liberation movements that we've seen on the continent. Mm. Dr. Nkletjana, at times when you listen to part of what the ANC says on reflecting on its own role and contribution to democracy, what has been done in the last 27 years, they, one does get the impression that the party does feel that there is a bit of unfairness in how it is being judged, that the problems that it walked into in as far as the state of the country were much bigger than they had anticipated, and it has not been an easy task of fulfilling the promises that were made to South Africans. Uh, yes, yes, correct. I think to a limited extent, they do have the right to express some unhappiness about the criticism. Uh, the the legacy of apartheid was massive. Uh, lack of housing, especially uh, poor schools and all that. Uh, and a lot has been done. I mean, South Africa has been, I think, one of the leading countries in the developing world in terms of providing housing. Of course, you know, feeding schemes at schools. And so our safety network, our social safety network, has been quite impressive. Uh, but we expect the to do more. Um, provision of, of, of basic requirements for life, uh, those are well and good. But part of what people expect of the ANC, because they know what the ANC is, uh, is that there should be ethical leadership. Um, one cannot say just because I'm providing you with the necessities, therefore I'm entitled to loot state resources. And that's a twisted logic. The key issue, I think, for the ANC has been that moral leadership. Mm. Um, and, and the party institutionally, the party has failed to develop mechanisms that would um, limit opportunities for impropriety and where it does happen, impose uh, strict disciplinary actions. And the ANC, it's only now that you have this integrity commission established just recently. Um, and demands that you should step down as soon as you are charged. For the past more than 20 years, you know, they've been chewing and throwing on this thing, and most people have been saying, well, why should I step down when Combat A didn't step down? Um, so the debate and the bar had been lowered quite, quite low. It was not, there was no uh, rejection, per se, of corruption, uh, people would simply say, but why should I when someone has not been punished? So, so that that has been the issue. So at some level, the, the, the criticism against the ANC, especially where it relates to moral leadership, has been, has been uh, justified. Yeah. Mr. Homo, let me bring you in and give you an opportunity to reflect on this conversation, I suppose, also taking into account the political landscape across the continent. Well, thank you. 
Uh, but I don't know where to start, you know, because basically, as my man said, it, it's an open question and it's an open discussion. But uh, to bring everything into perspective and to zero down, I would not start really with the ANC per se to analyze what took place in the ANC and what led to the downfall of the ANC and whether the ANC is going to be buried as the other speaker when I came online started saying that the ANC should die and he's not an African. <laughs> he does not know what the ANC is. But to, to tell you something, is this that political parties can rule as long as they are relevant. And when they come, when they stop being relevant, that's where they stop having a following. But so long as the party is relevant to the demands of the people, it will keep on going. The ANC, again, is this that uh, as a party, it actually came to, by trying to be relevant by having service delivery. Yeah, as my man said, talked about here. But then you ask yourself, was well, service delivery, was that what the ANC was formed for <laughs> about? Was that the issue that actually formed the ANC? Now we find that the ANC, as it is, it has digressed from its original task when it was formed. Uh, just to come and quote what uh, the early constitution of the ANC said, it actually, amongst others, said promoting and safeguarding the interests of the Aboriginal people. And the interests uh, interest of, the, of the Aboriginal people were many. It was, at that time, it was not service delivery. It was an issue of land, it was an economic issue, mm. an issue of the colonial state that was being forced yeah, on the people. Now we find that that has changed. So basically all along the continent, if you look, what you're really, we are really talking about is the, is the political economy of the African and of, of political parties. All along the economy, the political economy of parties and movements has changed, especially those which brought independence. After independence, they were very popular because they were de developmental. And after that, things changed. We are living in an era of uh, the neoliberal, which was actually forced on many developing countries through the structural adjustment and the neoliberal market-driven economies. Yeah, that has produced problems in the parties, but also in the society, not only in Africa. It has produced problems in Latin America, in uh, Southeast Asia. When you see these caravans of people moving from Central America up north, they say because of crime. No, it's a failure. And that is a time when you find that liberation movement or any movement that has stopped being relevant to actually supply or to cater for the people, it loses uh, things, so we should actually look at these parties within the era in which they are surviving. So, Mr. Homo, are you saying that part of the difficulty when it comes to the survival of the ANC is not just about the organization and perhaps some of its own contributions to the failures in the country, but that the broader context of it is that it's been put in an environment which has made it difficult to succeed? Well, ANC got itself in a trap uh, <laughs> when, from 1994. Yeah, I mean to say that, okay, it actually sort of uh, drove us 
into so-called independence, yeah? But then the inherent issues which actually placed the, 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 the natives in the situation that they were in were not changed, and they could not change. And that's the big problem. I mean, to say service, they are hiding behind service delivery. But even that service delivery, the RDPs, is nothing, and the social grants, that's nothing but the welfare state. And we long, people long said that the welfare state, as far as the South African economy is concerned, is unsustainable. Mm. If big economies of Europe could not sustain the welfare state, what can this shrinking economy of South Africa do? The carbon bakers were successful at that because they sold off uh, SOEs and viable SOEs for that matter, like Telcom, I mean, like, sorry, like Vodacom. Yeah, they took that money and then they took it to grants. But now there's almost nothing to sell. They've got to go and borrow. That thing was coming. It was a time bomb. I mean, people said so long ago. Dr. Bacchus, I want to build on this issue of, of relevance and how an organization again, that's 110 years old, and you made the point that it's the it might be the oldest liberation movement, but it certainly has spent the shortest time in government. One would think it's too soon to think about the ANC becoming irrelevant, and, and yet that very much seems to be the case. Yeah, absolutely. Kathy, uh, my line is not the uh, best. Uh, I can hear fragments of what my colleagues are saying, but I sure. can't hear you, so I'll okay. just keep going. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, so maybe l- l- let me just uh, take it back uh, a bit, right? So when we talk about uh, liberation movements on the continent, uh, and if we, if we, you know, place the ANC in the context of what's been happening uh, across the continent, we know that historically uh, you know, major figures of the liberation movement were generally men of the left, uh, and they were all men, uh, and, and committed to this idea of pan-Africanism, anti-imperialism. Uh, and we've seen that from Nyerere to Kaunda to Samora Michel, you know, all of whom stuck to their pan-African and anti-imperial commitments. But while in office, uh, you know, they... There was a dramatic change from being leaders of the liberation movement to being, uh, you know, leaders in government. And there was a sense of disappointment generally when liberation movements uh, were in government. Uh, and, 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 and liberation movements in government tend to degenerate into the democracies that we've seen. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the reality, and just to build on what my colleague was saying just prior to, to me uh, being brought in, uh, is that in the case of the ANC, we know that there was this massive drive towards democratization, and uh, it was a pivotal moment for us in, in South Africa and across the continent. But we also know that this process of liberalization uh, that became particularly rampant from '96 onwards, I think impacted on the ability of the ANC to deliver uh, and, and, and by implication to remain relevant. So the difficulty the ANC found itself in is that, you know, there was this tide of democratization, uh, but at the same time there was this massive tide of liberalization. Uh, and when these forces intersected, 
we saw particularly the disappointment from 96 to 2000, which was perhaps our you know, greatest period of neoliberalism, where we lost, uh, you know, over a million jobs, uh, two million people being evicted, and 10 million plus people having lost their, uh, having, you know, not had, uh, been cut off from their water and or electricity. Uh, and I think that was the start of the disillusionment to the ANC. Mm. All right. And in large part, that disillusionment had to do with economic forces, you know, this period of liberalization. Of course, you know, the, the, the kind of advent of, the, the type of corruption that we now see may have not manifested to the same extent at that point. Dr. Imran Bakas, we're going to leave it there with you for this morning because I understand you also uh, have to dash off. Dr. Gibis Ngejana still on the line as well as Isaac Komo will continue this conversation after the latest 10.30 news headlines. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're reflecting on 110 years of existence of the ANC and talking about what does the future hold for the oldest liberation movement on the continent. Dr. Mkwebisi Ngejana is with us. So is Isaac Homo. And we're going to continue exploring uh, this conversation further. Of course, you're more than welcome uh, to be part of the conversation. The number to dial 011-714-2006. On the WhatsApp line, you can send those messages and voice notes on 0614-104-107. On Twitter, at SFM Radio, the hashtag SFM Talking Point. So, Dr. Ngejana, I mean, I think there's been a, a clear picture that has been painted around some of the external factors that have contributed, perhaps, to the difficulties that the ANC has faced as a party in government. But when we fast forward to this present moment. What do you think it will take for this trajectory that is being projected of the ANC to change? I mean, is there a scenario where the party does not continue to decline, where the party is able to turn itself around and does become stronger? And, and what would need to happen in order to, in order for that to take place? Uh, well, a couple of things will have to be done, Cassie. Um, mm-hmm. I think it has to do with, with culture of leadership, uh, the caliber of people that they have in leadership, especially at at municipal level. Um, for instance, one of the problems has been that you have municipal leaders who do not think that municipalities or do not look at municipalities as basis for economic activity. Um, they think they are wrong merely to collect uh, rubbish and that's the basic service delivery thing. Uh, however, when it comes to economic matters, for instance, where you have a potential business person applying for a rezoning license, for instance, mm. uh, that hardly happens. Um, you have neglect of power stations uh, the basic things that they need to do to maintain the power stations and all that. So what has happened in the small towns, especially, I mean, you look at Grandstaff, uh, the ANC there literally run down that place. Um, recently, you had a lot of reports of companies relocating uh, from the small rural towns to looking for other uh, 
potential um, hosts who are, you know, better run. And so the small towns uh, are losing even more of the little that they have. They are losing that because if your municipal leaders don't 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 have a broader sense of what their role is, and they look at the state pretty much as an instrument to provide for their livelihoods, not as an instrument to develop society. Uh, and added to that, which is a much bigger problem, is uh, the ingrained sense of, of, of entitlement to, uh, to the resources of the state. Uh, so, like for instance, uh, I wrote an article just yesterday for the Sunday Times where I looked at, uh, among other things, at the recent conference at the Nelson Mandela Bay, where that conference resolved to support uh, Babalo Matigizela, for instance, for the chairperson of the province. And this fellow is implicated in, in a report released recently by, by the public protector. Mm. Um, there's ample evidence of him instructing someone to invoice for services not delivered. And this money was simply shared amongst comrades and spouses. He bought a Bentley and went shopping at the Fenton Mall and all that. So he, what he has done, though, together with uh, Maboyane, the premier, who is also implicated, they have applied to, 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 to the court to have that report taken on review, and the court has agreed to the Grandson Court. Uh, however... Uh, the ANC, the evidence of impropriety is irrefutable. Um, one would have expected then for an organization that purports to take this thing seriously, especially because the Integrity Commission is empowered to call on these folks and say, explain yourself. Mm-hmm. While at some level, of course, they do say you can only step down once you're charged. But also, if, if the evidence is, is, is massive um, and and... Uh, the case really taints the image of the organization. You can tell these people at least not to avail themselves for office. Uh, but the problem though is much bigger than that because here at the Nelson Mandela Conference, these are delegates who uh, who pass this who pass this resolution. Never even discuss what is required of leadership given the challenges that they are facing now. So they don't discuss anything about leadership. They don't look at the context. They simply say, no, let's, let's, let's vote for this fellow. And the main reason I think they are voting for him is because he's a money man. Mm. You know, he's a business person. Uh, he's got it into this practice of, of giving patronage, giving people banks. And I, I, I wouldn't doubt that quite a number of those who voted for him at the conference, by a massive majority, uh, were given something in return. So, so this is the ANC, Cathy. In a, in, a, in a province like this, okay, with a long tradition of ANC politics uh, who, that claims to be highly politicized and educated about ANC politics. It is the same province that turns around to do this at a time when its own national leadership and themselves have committed to renewal. So, so that right there tells you that this ingrained culture, that we don't care for principles, we don't care for moral leadership, all, all, all we are looking for is to have our own person in there who will then provide resources for mm-hmm. us. Whether or not his principle is guided by any brilliant ideas, that is immaterial. So that is the challenge that you have, uh, pretty much. So 
you, you then need to, for me, really, renewal will not come from inside. Um, it will come from outside. It will come from further loss of support. It will come from state institutions acting against corruption. ANC leaders need to be sensitized quite highly that corruption doesn't pay. Because what you have when you, when, you, when you elect corrupt leaders is you are breeding an army against the state uh, to fight corruption because these people will steal money. They will resist attempts from the state to hold them accountable. So corruption is breeding crowd, uh, ground uh, uh, for an army to fight against the state. And the ANC is the source of counter-revolution, pretty much. The enemy of the state. Counter-revolution emanates deeply from the bosom of the age. Mm. And I think that acknowledgement, if you listen to part of what I said, um, you know, this past weekend at the January 8th statement, there seems to be an acknowledgement um, going as far as that, uh, Dr. Ntlejana. Mr. Homo, let me bring you in before I take some of the callers that have been lined up. You know, on this issue of the role of patronage, the role of money, you talk about, um, you know, liberators who've become millionaires and you ask a very important question about how these individuals have become this elite of multimillionaires and billionaires in a country where we are faced with such high levels of inequality. Well, I never came with that statement, although that's a statement people have been asking for a long time. But that statement has been made public recently by... by, uh, an NCNEC leader, and that is Lindiwe Sisulu. Yeah, she asked those questions, but these are questions that people had been looking at and actually laughing. But then, you see, you know, that is a big issue. And my fellow participant is actually talking about a very important thing uh, about the type of leadership within the NC. And not only that, with the statement of Lindiwe Sisulu, where she's actually questioning many things, not only the uh, type of leadership, she questioned the rule of law, principle of the rule of law, principle of, uh, I mean, so what is the relevance of the Constitution and other issues. But basically, when it comes to the role of the leadership, the ANC leadership, basically, the folks are there to actually access uh, the state's uh, machinery so that it can actually work for itself. That's what the NC, uh, basically, not the NC itself, but the leadership of the NC has degenerated into. Now, uh, for the renewal of the NC, I mean to say things like those have got to be changed, whereby uh, the NC leadership and the NC itself has got to refocus. And basically, the NC leadership has fallen into that trap because basically the NC, with its... uh, policies and also its ideologies are far removed from the real problems of the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean to say that uh, they've, um, this was uh, well explained by a gentleman called Makat. Yeah, he's a, a social political scientist. Makat wrote a very good paper on uh, the effect of globalization and liberalization has done on African countries yeah, and also other countries. Basically, they've produced what we call these millionaires, yeah? 
Now, these guys are just like the millionaires who were produced uh, in the, the former Soviet East, whereby they've taken over state properties and due to their situation in, 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 in the political ladder. Yeah? Yeah, so basically that is uh, not only a South African or an ANC thing, it's an international thing there, mm-hmm. which went with globalization. People privatized uh, state issues to themselves. Even this thing of the BEE, basically it has got that element in it. People do not know that. I mean, when you privatize a thing like um, a thing like uh, Vodacom within Telecom, a thing which was actually holding Telecom, uh, uh, holding Telecom up, buoyant, yeah? Now, when you privatize that, now the new private entity, according to our BEE charter, has got to have uh, BEE partners. And then just sort of say, who are the partners? So people are privatizing things just to get themselves back, uh, to get themselves into it. Yeah, what we have been producing is oligarchs. This is the thing that has been produced all over the continent. And today in the continent, to be a politician, they've got to be an oligarch. These people are messy and they're wealthy. Mm. And they got their wealth in a very short space of time. Benin, the man in Benin almost owns the port and all the transport system in the country. These guys are very wealthy. Yeah. You go anywhere, go to the Congo DRC. Those guys are billionaires. Yeah. And they're fighting for to hang on to those things. In uh, Uganda, the, the, the families of, of Obote, the darling of the West, those are big business people, Rwanda. So it's all over. So now we've actually got to go and not only look at one dimension, you know, that uh, what's happened to the NCO, it's corruption. But as I initially said, you've got to look at the era in which we live. And another thing, we are making a mistake when we, at times, we look at a system which is affected by a multitude of, 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 uh, of dimensions and try to, re- to reduce the faults or the weaknesses just to one dimension. Yeah, now that is a, a fallacy. Another big dimension is this, that the policies which have come up, are they really relevant to, 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 to the reality of the people? Mm. I mean to say that ANC, when they produced their, not ANC, sorry, the government, when they produced their national development plan, one of the things they said was this, that all oh, South African demographies are changing, or South Africans are becoming much more urbanized. But what they don't tell people is South Africa is becoming urbanized because there are people who are running away from rural poverty. But when they get to the urban side, they go to urban for unemployment and poverty and squalor. Yeah? And the government will never be able to solve that by actually growing the economy. Right. It cannot grow fast enough. So now these are other issues which the ANC is faced with. These are policy issues mm. of the ANC itself. All right. Which have got to talk to the people, which are not coming. Mr. Homu, we're going to pause it there. I've got a couple of callers last lined up and plenty of interactions coming through on the WhatsApp line. Let me kick it off with Lisiba. You're calling us from Khobukwane. Lisiba, good morning to you. Yes, good morning, Sis Katie, <laughs> and good morning to Professor Kalana and Professor Homu. You see, uh, Sis Katie, uh, I, I completely disagree with the 
you are guessed that the analysts, what they are saying about the NC, it, it's almost a, two decades now. After each and every election, we'll find the, uh, the, the, the analysts in their boardroom discussing about the demise of the African National Congress, but it will never come to that. For the fact that we've got a couple of parties who are completely uh, different policies agreeing to push the ANC out, it's not meaning that the ANC is down. Uh, you will see, towards the end of this year, most of the coalition government that we are so proud of it will collapse. And the people of South Africa will tell you that ANC is so deep-rooted in South African government. Their mm. roots are so deep. If you talk of the demise of the ANC, you must equally talk about the collapse of South African government. For example, they talk about the liberation movement in the continent. Look on in all the liberation movement. The country has to collapse. Economically, socially, they have to collapse. And out of that, like a phoenix, they must emerge a new party. But as long as the ANC is still there, you are not going to talk about this collapse without talking about the collapse of the South African government. Its policies, their social grant policies, it made it very difficult for the people of this country to depart with the African nation. The thing they will do, if they are angry because of the corruption, they will not vote for ANC, but they will not vote for the other party. You can't talk the collapse of the ANC without necessarily telling us who's going to take over. It's the DA, the EFF. When you look at two biggest opposition, it shows you that a, there is no any other party will take for the ANC in the next 40 years to come. Therefore, we are stuck with the ANC. What, what we need to do, as Katie, mm. is to join hands with the current leadership of Ramaphosa, make sure that we correct the ANC, which is so deeply in, rooted in the in the, our government, to make sure that they, they, do, they do the right thing. So, Lisiba, you believe that the ANC could well still be the majority party for the next 40 years, at least? It's what I believe. When you look, even mm. in the big cities where the ANC has been voted out, it's not because people were not voted ANC. ANC is leading in the Queen, ANC is leading in Swan, ANC is leading in many municipalities. That's a, there is a coalition of opposition parties who are completely in disagreement. When you come to the land, when you come to transformation, those parties like the DA is a complete racist organization. It will take one incident of racism for DA to collapse. Therefore, I'm saying for the next 40 years, the ANC is going to be in charge of this country and we must join hands with Ramaphosa to correct the African National okay. Congress in order. It's a corruption. The only problem is corruption. Let's just join hands and work with the president. This is a Zondo commission. It's very clear. Let's support the government to implement right. the resolutions and the fighting and the, and the findings of the commission. Lisiba, let's leave it there for this morning. Let me go to Bule in Matlosana. Bule, good morning. Yes, yes, how are you? Happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you, Pule. Go for it. Yes, I can agree with Ms. Eva more cases. Mm. Um, if, if there's a red in the house, you don't paint the entire house. You remove, you search for the red and remove it. The problem within the ANC is corruption. And we know those that are individual corrupt persons. They must be removed. These but but, 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 but Mantasha says don't, don't, don't use the report as an X. No, we have to. It, it, look, we are here in this platform raising our opinion. That is an opinion of Guadalmantash, uh, and we can't take it as a fact. Mm. All that we are saying, if, 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 if there's somebody who's corrupt, and the Ramaphosa is working, Casey, I don't know why you, the people of media, you are turning a blind eye on this one. The Zondo Commission has spent close to a billion. The recovery of the money because of that Zondo Commission is more than a billion. 
and, and, and the people of the media, they can't say they don't know about it. They know it's just they don't want to talk about it. All that we talk is the positive about our country. It also happened during 2010. People said it won't be ready. Sam Blatter said we are the first country to deliver the infrastructure and the stadium before time. And we are criticized by media that we will never deliver it. There are positive things that Ramaphosa has done. The, the South has collected trillions uh, on the past budget. But nobody is talking about it for the first time. Nobody is talking about it. SIU managed to collect $4 billion that they've collected and they've frozen. Something like $4 billion. You don't talk about it. What this government is doing, the government of Ramaphosa, and it's because you don't want to know. You don't know it. You know it. You just don't want to talk about it. It is there in the archive. It is there before you can go and Google and research it. We are stuck with the ANC. There's no party that can remove ANC from power. Like Lishiba said, people didn't vote ANC against the other party. They decided not to go to vote. It means I'm stuck with Katie or nothing. Okay. It's Katie or nothing. Okay. So, now, people didn't vote for that. Now, we are saying, let us correct the ANC and let us correct this government. Let us take corrupt people. And we know that last case before you go for a, for a second, the behavior conduct of Isma Khashola must be called to order. There can't be a national event and we organize a football club to go and play somewhere. Isma Khashola is a counter-revolutionary of the ANC. He must be fired from the ANC, he must be expelled from the ANC, like we did with Juju, refusing to listen to the ANC when he was called to order and advised. And ANC kicked him out like Malema. They must do the same to Isma Khashola. All right, Pule, let's leave it there. Pule out in Matlosana. I want to give uh, Professor Ntlejan an opportunity to respond uh, to those callers. Prof, you go first before I go to Ndatehomo. Well, uh, I mean, ANC members love the ANC, and they tend to express express wishful thinking more than anything uh, realistic. Uh, the ANC, for instance, in twenty in two thousand and four, got sixty nine percent, and in twenty fourteen, it had dropped down to fifty seven percent. I think it was so within a space of two elections, ten years, it dropped by ten percentage points. So, and now in the recent election, it dropped below 50%. So, it's unlikely to stay in charge for the next four years if you follow that uh, factual information. Um, the, the, the problem, it's not so much, yes, it is corruption, but it also has to do with merits. Um, you, you need to appoint competent, especially councillors. There's got to be, yes, the ANC has started doing that now, but that process has to be enforced quite uh, vigorously. Uh, there, was a, there were lapses, for instance, in some municipalities where people who shouldn't have been there were eventually appointed councillors, some of the mayors. Because you, you, you really have to reimagine the leadership. Um, because uh, political leadership really is not just about interpreting policies. It's also about understanding and monitoring progress of government, especially in municipalities. I, I can't have any more really on this issue of municipalities because municipalities are responsible pretty much for what impacts on the quality of life on a day-to-day basis. 
So if you have a councillor who goes to council without having read the agenda of the meeting, Kathy, and then that tells you that they don't they don't know what uh, is going to be discussed. They haven't prepared, uh, and a lot of things happen without their knowledge. Um, of course, you have you also have officials who are self-centered, who are just doing things for their own money-making schemes. Um, and so because of the councillor's ignorance or indifference, uh, incompetence, they can't weigh, they can't examine and assess if uh, the bureaucracy is doing what it, what it is meant to do. So for me, it's, it's, it's competence. Mm. Um, of course, the agency will continue to decline if it doesn't change. Uh, but I'm not hopeful for the next five or so years. I think they will continue to drop. Um, and perhaps that drop, that further drop will awaken them. Uh, but we do need activism as a society. Um, and yes, people have stayed out of these elections, but who knows, they might come back and choose mm. people that they think are more capable, yeah? All right. Uh, I want to take a couple of voice notes and then I'll give Ndata Khomu the final word on this conversation. Just want to hear what else your contributions to this chat are. Morning, Kate. It's Chris in Cabadan. President Leronke in Angola has done it, has led the way uh, to, to take, to arrest uh, the children of former President Dos Santos. And uh, it only took political will and determination Uh, and he has his party now following him now here in south africa people are always thinking about the next conference Uh, that's our biggest problem and that's what has been the case with all liberation movements in africa yes indeed the anc is following suit it is on its downward spiral unless it changes track thanks good morning to you princess kathy Good morning to all the listeners. Good morning to your guests. I just want to quote uh, the Bishop, the Archdiocesan Tutu, may so rest in peace. He said that when the colonialists came here, they took our land and gave us the Bible. Now, what deal was done in our democratic dispensation, 1994? What happened at CODESA? What was the deal that the ANC finds itself in this position and we as a nation find ourselves in this position? What was that deal? Thank you, Chapter 2. All right, and Tate Homo, let me give you the final word on this conversation and perhaps very briefly reflect on our contributions by the listeners. Well, I'll start with the last listener about the CODESA issue. Because the other listeners, basically, they are talking about NC uh, political matters, you know, and you're not talking about NC political matters. Now, with the Codessa thing, basically, let us look at the dispensation of 1994. What the dispensation is, the people are calling it different things. Uh, The people of the NC, the government, the state, and what do they call it? Independence, freedom, and the whole thing. Yeah, but basically the 1994 dispensation, it was nothing but just uh, civil liberties. The blacks got civil liberties and civil rights and nothing more than that. People had the long walk to freedom. They could walk, had the freedom to walk, the so-called long walk to freedom. They could walk any part of the city at any time. 
They could associate with anybody of any color and associate in different forms. Marriage, in whatever it is, affectionately, or whatever it is, leave wherever it is, and with the citizen rights, you got the vote. But unfortunately, the colonial states, the, they call it now uh, amongst the ANC uh, capital colonialism. Yeah, some say the settler colonial state is intact. And that state has actually been architect on the really putting down of the blacks. It has not changed. Mm. Now, that is a very big thing. I mean, people don't realize it. You know, we are talking about uh, corruption, corruption. Okay, corruption is actually one of the many things which are there. But basically, the policies of the ANC, of the country, not in the ANC, they've not changed. They've got to change. Lindio Sisulu talked about that. Mr. Homo, I'm but going to... And without changing that, the, the things are going to go down and down and down mm. because basically people are getting uh, sort of... Uh, uh, they're they, 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 they becoming just sort of poorer and poorer as time goes on. All right. I'm going to just interject there a little bit. It's just gone 11 o'clock. I want to take news and I'll give you a chance to complete your thoughts uh, after this. So, Luanda Maume standing by with the latest news update. We'll go a little bit over on the other side of news with this conversation. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. It's 7 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the Talking Point for today. So we're going to be wrapping up our conversation that we've had over the last hour, really looking at, uh, you know, the course of the ANC, comparing it uh, with other liberation movements on the country. What have been some of the challenges that have led the party to being in the state that it's in? And most importantly, what kind of future, um, you know, can we expect for the ANC? So uh, we've taken your calls, also had some contributions on the WhatsApp line. Isaac Homo is an Africa specialist and contributor on Channel Africa, and he, of course, is going to be sharing uh, his concluding remarks. Uh, Mr. Homo, sorry I had to uh, cut you off there towards 11 o'clock, but uh, yes, a, a chance for you to, to to share just some of your concluding remarks, especially in terms of some of the engagements uh, from our listeners. Okay. Now, as far as the listener concern, I'll say that uh, they should actually look at the problems which are facing the country. I won't say the ANC, mm. the country, its development program. Uh, they should holistically. Yeah, there are many dimensions which are involved. Yeah, but if you look at the ANC, people are arguing about the quality of leadership. That won't solve anything because the policies are wrong. Now, just to give a very good example. Now, what South Africa needs? is basically that we need to stabilize our rural black population. And you can only stabilize it from moving to the cities by actually having an agrarian reform, not a land reform. We have got to go back and reform an agrarian economic uh, existence of our black people, which was destroyed purposely. Now, this is not a new thing. I mean to say that uh, the Japan, South Korea, Taiwan did it successfully, and, and that actually created a consumer population, rural po- consumer population, which was an impetus for their manufacturing sector. That thing is possible today. But then to do that, the land reform has got to be part of the agrarian reform, and that has got to be done to stabilize the movement of people from the rural areas to the urban areas and putting pressure on, uh, on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the urban areas and also on the municipalities. 
the municipalities are collapsing due to a myriad of reasons. Right? Not only that there's corruption there, some of them are not even viable because they've been put together. And also the returns, the collections from the for, 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 for rates. But that is a very tall order which cannot be talked about over a program as we are. The National Development Plan basically it's a, it's a, it's a failure failed to address these issues. And I think they've got to go back to the drawing board. Mm. All right. Mr. Khomu, let me thank you again for your time and your contributions uh, to to this uh, conversation. Let me also thank uh, Professor Mkribis Nglejana, who is with the University of Johannesburg, for his contributions. And, of course, Dr. Imran Bakas, a senior research fellow at the Orwell Socioeconomic Research Institute. Lots of your voice notes on the subject. I want to play uh, a couple of them before we change gear and move into uh, the conversation that we've lined up for the 11 o'clock hour.